Mm, freedom. Freedom, freedom reigns. Yes. So, here we are, back again in the transformation series. I'm yep. just about at the end. I think, Brenda, you're going to finish off next week. Is that right? So, yeah. Oh, another one. So we're ongoingly. Um, the quest for emotional resilience continues. Right? Resilience. Actually, that is the buzzword. Resilience. It's across the country. It's across the world. Are you hearing it? It's in business. Everyone wants to be resilient, to have the bounce back and that sense of um, being able to handle what's going on in a very, very crazy world, which you'll agree. And do you realize, too, that the greatest enemy that we face as Christians is our thinking? The greatest enemy and the greatest challenge is to bring our thoughts into agreement with how God sees us and what he says. And the Bible says that as far as the heavens are above the earth, his ways are higher and his thoughts than ours. That's a long way, friends. It's a long way as far as the heavens are above the earth. What a challenge. So this morning we're looking at some how-tos, because I love how-tos, because I'm a tools-based person. As a lot of you know, if all we've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, doesn't it? Just give it a bash. I would not like anyone to come to my house to do some renovations with just a hammer in their toolkit. I would be really, really nervous. So we all do need some more tools. How many of you saw the very clever animation of what goes on inside a child's mind? The movie from Pixar, Inside Out? Yeah, a few of you did. Very, very clever. Somebody did. Oh, yes, over there, inside a child's mind, which I think we all probably have that too going on because we're all carrying a little kid in, on the inside. In case you didn't know, I just introduced that to you this morning. <laughs> Malnourished, starved of everything we need. However, you know, this morning, we're going to actually kick off with a clip from the movie Inside Out. Take it away. Amazing. Just Riley and me forever. Thirty-three seconds. I'm sadness. Oh, hello. I, I'm joy. So, can I just, if you could, I just want to fix that. <laughs> Thanks. And that was just the beginning. Headquarters only got more crowded from there. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's right, parent. Oh, look out! That's fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? Oh, we're good. We're good. Ooh, Thank you. Good Thank job. you very much. And we're back. <laughs> Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Uh, okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! <laughs> I just saved our lives. Ooh. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He 
cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! Right, right. Here comes an airplane. Ah! Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. <gasps> <laughs> oh, Riley's headquarters were certainly very, very busy, weren't they? Very crowded, actually, like our own or mine, at least, can be. So beginning with joy, amazing for 33 seconds, overtaken by sadness when Riley became unhappy, followed by fear, which was good at keeping Riley safe from tripping over the cord. Fear's really important in that way. And disgust to prevent her being poisoned by broccoli. Ooh, yuck. And, <laughs> not to be left out, anger. Anger, who cares very deeply about things not being fair. <laughs> Don't they? Not far away when Riley felt unfairly treated, like maybe some of us can feel sometimes, and that she was going to miss out on dessert. Whoa, but wait, Daddy was quick to respond with aeroplanes. Who remembers that one? Yeah? Ooh, it always worked for mine, anyway. And then, of course, quickly joy came to the rescue, right at the end. Now, friends, we all started out this way, didn't we? We all started out screaming when it wasn't fair, sulking when we couldn't get our own way, manipulating and blaming somebody else. On and on it goes, because it was never me that ate the chocolate, even though I had chocolate all over my face. It was never me. And this stage of life is known as childhood, also the time when we live in a victim mindset. We all do. We all start off that way, vulnerable to those on the outside of us, what's happening on the outside. So today my topic is very much looking at living from the inside out, not the outside in. So when we were children, we were vulnerable to what we ate, what school we went to, what clothes we had to wear, whether our mother made our clothes or, or not and to whether we, which school, which church, if we went to church, if we didn't. We were victims. And, and really, we were looking to the significant others to meet our emotional needs. And I've spoken before about cracked mirrors, that we look into the cracked mirrors of our um, permission givers, the big people in our lives, to reflect back whether we are okay, whether we're safe, whether we're secure, whether we're loved whether we belong, whether we fit in, whether we're at fault, whether we're to blame, whether we're still to blame. And some of us as adults can still feel it's my fault. So we, we become people pleasers to try and make sure that it's never, never my fault. But the good news of the gospel, it's never our fault. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that? I love that bit. I love in the finished work of the cross that I get to be innocent. I get to live from imputed righteousness that Christ has imputed his righteousness to me yeah. and, and exchanged my self-righteousness for his righteousness. Yeah. 
And that's very good news. So when we sin, he's still imputing righteousness, right? Because he's imputed it to us past, present, and future. So yes, um, Christians can still sin, but Jesus has imputed to us his righteousness. So those emotional needs to feel safe, to feel significant, to feel we fit in, that we belong, that we're making progress, that we're not to blame, that is actually a childhood need. But some of us didn't get those needs met the way God would have intended us to have those met. And around 21, did you realize we're supposed to step out of that? Did you know that? <laughs> we are. We're supposed to step out of that mindset into the victor mindset. Victim to victor. And that is the challenge. That's the place of freedom into that adult mindset. And my experience shows me that we're, you know, most of us are still a bit stuck there. We can actually find ourselves you know, feeling really still like victims rather than victims. Tours. And that's okay as long as we have some solvent somewhere and some insights or a person to help unstick us from that place. To begin to internalize our needs is how we can now give these to ourselves to take responsibility for our own reactions and stop allowing our environment to dictate how we feel, our emotional state. You know, the Bible said it's all very well to be, you know, um, do good to those who do good to us, but we're called to do good to those who hate us and despise us, and that's not quite as easy, is it? To bless those who curse us. You know, a child's happiness is external to themselves, and they believe they're at the mercy of everyone else. And they are, in, in, to a great degree. The adult self has the power to influence, has the power to influence their world. But sometimes, if we get trapped in that inner child's mindset, which we all still carry within our fallen nature, uh, we, we actually do believe that we are at the mercy of everything and everyone else. You made me upset. You know, the way you just looked at me right then, I just didn't think you really quite liked what I'm talking about, Tara. You know? <laughs> you know, that's just really... I'm just really discouraged because you were just, like, zoned out. <laughs> and, you know, the interesting thing is nobody can make me feel I'm useless except me. <laughs> Because if, if that was true, if people could put a feeling into me from outside of me, then I would be feeling useless just by all of you. But some, some of you will think, hey, great, Jenny's talking again. Others will think, oh, not her again. I hate that dress. <laughs> you know, what, what is she thinking? But does that actually change me? No, my response is my responsibility. Am I lovable? Do I fit in? Am I safe and secure here? Am I making progress? Am I really still responsible for everyone else? No. Is it still my fault? Because that's how I grew up, thinking everything's my fault. So I had to make sure it wasn't my fault. So I had to become a pleaser and say, yes, no, three bags full to everything. Right, Mum. <laughs> if so... <laughs> We are still living as Riley, aren't we? If we do that from the outside in, I hope you like it. I hope you're okay with me and what I'm saying today. Oh, I'm going to cry and go down the back of the... 
lawn and eat worms afterwards if you don't like. But what percentage of the world's population do you think have actually made that shift? I think I might have said from here before. Anyone have a guess at the percentage that might have stepped out of their childhood mindset into their adult mindset? Any ideas? 40. 8 to 10. 8 to 10% of people are self-aware have had a debrief from childhood. So guess what? There's a whole lot of adults, really, that are living directed by the child on the inside who's made themselves up by accident. So there's that malnourished child inside of us running the show at various ages and stages, still sulking, living from all-out reaction to our environment. And it is interesting to see how Jesus responded to the scribes and the Pharisees who were stuck in an outside-in environmental mindset, weren't they? You know, everything was about the traditions and what you did outside. And, and Jesus had come to, to change that, to change that outside-in mindset. He said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him that defiles him. Don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth, oh, the Passion Translation says, and then go into the sewer. That's what it says in here. Even after all I've taught you, you still remain clueless. That's what Jesus said to the religious leaders. It's hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass out into the sewer. But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute, not food. You will find living with an impure heart, evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. And isn't that great, Mum? given that you never had running water growing up and you didn't wash your hands. There you go. You couldn't be defiled by that. <laughs> yeah. There was nine children and didn't have the luxury of running water. Just had a long drop or a dunny, whatever that was, wasn't it, back in the day. And yes, as children, we were all dependent on our environment to protect us. Often it was rather basic, as mum's was back in the 1920s, uh, but for some, it was even dangerous and hostile, and for most of us, in some ways, traumatic. As this next slide shows. I wonder how many injuries these children sustained in this playground. Wow, not quite as PC as today, is it, people? <laughs> Osh would have a field day. Health and safety. Wow. Can I ask you as parents or caregivers of young children, would you let your children play on a playground like that? Yeah? Or a place where there's broken glass and culverts and, and dangerous stuff? If not, why let our spirit play in a mind that's a minefield of thoughts? Have you thought about that? Because our spirit as the child in the playground will become damaged if the playground of our mind and our thoughts is like this one, full of negative thoughts and lies. Thoughts that your recreated spirit cannot enter. 
as they are contrary to God's word and contrary to truth. And if we to think about what Graham shared about the valve last time, between the spirit and the soul being the word of truth, and we are to know it was our responsibility to release the valve on the inside for the spirit, our spirit, our recreated spirit to flow through into our soul, into our mind and our emotions. And we were to see our soul as our playground for the spirit to live in. And that's what it does. Our spirit plays in the playground of our mind. And sometimes our minds are just dangerous because they beat us up. I have one person I've been working with for a long time who just beats himself up all the time. And he says it's because if I beat myself up, then it won't hurt so much if other people do it. And that's the belief. And often we have that. If I put myself down first, then it'll be okay if somebody else does that. I won't be devastated. I won't be so upset. Bringing every thought into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, into alignment and agreement with the truth in order to be free in our minds. For freedom, we've been set free. Freedom in our thinking, not stinky thinking. Freedom in sync, in agreement. Rather than my spirit believing God loves me, but in my soul I believe I'm unlovable. How does that work? It doesn't, people. It keeps you stuck. It keeps you shrunk. It keeps you small. It keeps you rolled into a ball. It keeps you ineffective. And the devil doesn't care if you go to church or read the Bible or pray or fast or give. Because why? He's got your identity in your fallen nature. Your thinking in your thinking. Dare to believe. And to realise as God's people, we're not thermometers. (laughs) I haven't got my clicker here. Like Riley was in the YouTube clip. She was a thermometer. She was simply reflecting her emotional environment, as we do as children. We throw things if we don't like things. We're upset if it's not fair. Beloved, we have Christ living inside of us, in our clay pot, in our skin bag, in our overcoat. We have him in us. And guess what else is in us? All the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It's all inside of our skin bag. And through this knowledge and our own self-awareness, we can be thermostatic controllers of our own lives. The difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. We have a doctor in the house. So a thermometer is always taking the temperature. I wonder if anyone's going to talk to me tonight. I wonder if people will like me. I wonder. I don't think I'll go to that meeting because probably no one's going to want to talk to me. Being a thermometer. A thermostat on the inside sets the temperature, set on how God sees us. And as we set that thermostat, we radiate out the warmth the joy of the Lord yeah. that is our strength, which is so different to happiness. Yeah. In the same way, we wouldn't blame a, bl- a blind man for bumping into us, would we? Or someone on life support 
who didn't actually hand us a glass of water from their side table when we asked them, why do we expect people to give us things that they have no capacity to give us? Because they can't. Not because they don't want to, because they are not able to do that. Why do we continue to remain vulnerable to the, those on the outside who cannot meet our needs, whether it's a husband or a wife, as they may not have that capacity. As a counsellor, I'm constantly helping to adjust internal thermostats of the human thermometers become overheated or they've become frozen with depression or overheated with anger due to their external environment. And they're stuck there. And we know what that's like, don't we? we? We're seeing it every night on our TV screens. We're seeing what happens when people get stuck. But as adults, the Bible tells us, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted as a child. But now I am a woe man. <laughs> I have put away childish things. Childish ways of coping. And just as Jesus, when facing his accusers, said, you do not take my life from me, I willingly lay it down. Yeah. Nobody can do anything to us. We have a choice my friends, as to how we respond. Yeah. Yeah. The that's quite empowering, isn't it? That's very good news to know we're not actually not powerless. We're not victims to how people actually treat us. Yeah. Did you know, and this is the only thing I want you to get today if you get nothing else, another person cannot cause my emotional response? It's impossible. It's scientifically impossible for you to make me feel rejected up here this morning. It's just not possible. You can't put that into me. I decide whether I'm okay or not. And Jesus has declared me okay, so that's good. But, you know, another person can trigger what's already inside of you. And that's why I have so long a waiting list for couple counselling. And it's always the same with couples. It's not my fault, it's theirs. It's there to blame. If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have felt that. And if I hadn't have felt that, I wouldn't have said that. And if I hadn't have said that, then it would have been different, wouldn't it? And it's your fault. So when all that calms down, you know, that is actually... And I say, do you know it's not possible for her to make you feel rejected? You do it all by yourself. What? No, that cannot be, because she is responsible, or he is responsible. They can only trigger what's already inside of you. But we live in a culture of blame. That's the world system. We live in a culture of blame. And we're seeing it, aren't we, with the race to the White House, Dirty Donald, and Crooked Hillary. You know, it's like this Riley, you know? It's, it's just outside in, it's not inside out. And I'm just waiting for one of them to man up, woman up, you know, to actually become adults and, and stop doing that name-calling. It happens in Parliament, if you've ever tuned into any of that as well. It's your fault. And that keeps us victims. 
guess what? The devil doesn't care. If we're blaming somebody else and we're not taking responsibility for how we respond, guess what? We don't grow and we never experience the abundant life and the freedom of the gospel. For freedom, we've been set free. It is amazing. So when this person, I'll say it again, another person can't cause my emotional response. They can only trigger what's inside of me. They might have been mean, for sure. They might have said something horrible, but maybe they were having a bad day. Or maybe they were vomiting on me, and I thought that I was the sick one. Because actually, people project their stuff onto us. They see through their lens. They don't see you as you really are. They see you as they are. So if anyone sees you as being stingy, it could be that they may be stingy themselves. And they're just projecting. They can't see you as you really are. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. So ask yourself, am I upset or hurt because of something they might be doing? Or have said, or is it because of unresolved issues in me that are being activated just by innocent stuff, just by innocent things? People come along and give us a poke on our bruises. Ow, that hurt. That wasn't very nice. Ouch. But why are the bruises there? It's time to heal those bruises. Blaming others for our unhappiness is a surefire way of ensuring we remain victims to the offending person until they change. But the power to change is in our own hands. I'm not a victim to my husband until he changes. He's not a victim to me until I change. The power to change is in my own hands. Otherwise, you get this um, iceberg thing going on. And you get two... People just stuck. I've lost the word. What is it, Gray? <laughs> Whatever that word is. That word. That's what they do. <laughs> Stonewalling. That's it. Thank you, Lord. Stonewalling. Yeah. Because I'm not going to change. Because it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's got to be someone's fault. It ain't my fault. I'm not changing. I've done all the changing I'm going to do. The good news is... I'm not another person's victim until they change. And children love this. I love working with children who, can, who discover that they actually have power on the inside to choose how they respond. Yeah. And then they're not victims any longer. Yeah. And they light up and they go, True! Wow! That's so cool! And they just change when, when you let them know that. So how do we remain centred in the face of external stress? Now, this lady here is certainly struggling to remain on her feet, isn't she? When we are centred, we carry our sense of worth, our significance, lovability, acceptability inside of ourselves. When we lack centredness, we reach for others to steady us. We, We often... Here, that is called being insecure. We lean on the approval of other people. We reach for that to reflect back that we're okay. 
and liked in order to like ourselves. Some of us reach for performing well, so what we're achieving reflects back we're good enough. Some reach for keeping others in a happy mood with them, so they can feel secure. And we continue to allow the outside to influence our inside, our state. Centred people are emotionally stable because they carry their foundational needs inside of themselves. As I said before, they bring every thought into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every thought actually means every thought. Every thought. They know Christ in me, inside, is my hope of glory. Ask myself, where am I still leaning on other people's opinions of me? Or my achievement, or my ideas to make progress? For my sense of worth, my significance, my security, my well-being, where am I still leaning on other people's opinions? Where am I stuck in the child's mindset? Do you like me? Am I okay? Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Can I do this? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Or do you find yourself asking, how could you let this happen to me, Lord? Don't abdicate to God what he's delegated to us. We often do that. We abdicate to God. This is really fair. In 1 Peter 4.12, we read, Dear brothers, do not be surprised when these things happen, but rejoice. That's an oxymoron. And in John chapter 16, Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but, wish I could move more, <laughs> be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In the midst of tribulation, be of good cheer. Quite a challenge, isn't it, to have a different response. And that makes us different. That makes us attractive. That makes the world want to be drawn to the church as a magnet. All those iron filings because there's something about us that has this beautiful fragrance. Absolutely. We're being encouraged that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so victim or victor... The choice is ours as God has given us free will. He's given us sovereignty to self-determinate. If it is true, it's scientifically impossible for any situation, any person or circumstance to make me feel angry, to make me feel anxious, to make me feel stressed. If it's scientifically impossible, what would that mean for me? What would that mean? What sort of difference would that make in my life? If I knew deep inside peace, clarity, and confidence are my natural state. And Dr. Caroline Leaf said any negative thought is toxic and it poisons our body because our bodies are not created for negativity, for negative thoughts. It will create dis-ease. If I knew that nothing outside of my own mind can give me peace and happiness or take it away, which is really exciting, how would this change my outlook on life? It's a very big question. What would I do differently? 
What would I do differently? <laughs> Click. <laughs> and as we come to a close this morning, I just want to take a moment to think about those two questions that I just asked. If I knew I was unaffected by everything that was outside of me because of the lion of the tribe of Judah that lives inside of me, just like this pussycat looking at the lion, that my perception is my reality and I can change my perception because there is no reality. There's just perception. And our perception is skewed by our life lens that gets distorted. And you all look very, very off balance today to me. <laughs> but guess who's really needing some adjustment of her lens? Me. That I have the power to change my perception whenever I choose to see broccoli as better for me than dessert. As Riley may have discovered later, I don't know if any of you agree, I certainly do. I love broccoli. I don't think we had it in my day. And Mum loves broccoli as well. How could I reframe my thinking and be transformed by the renewing, not the removal of my mind? And I'm sure Brenda's going to bring some Real revelation to that next week. How could the breakthrough we've learned about from Steve a few weeks ago, remember he talked about the breakthrough, and the release of the valve between my spirit and mind that Graham spoke about the week before that, become a reality? It could, you know. So as the musicians come, let's just draw a line in the sand and tell ourselves the truth that where I'm experiencing concern or worry or anxiety or anger, I am losing perspective. That's what I'm doing. These emotions are only a problem if I think they're coming from other people, if I think they're coming from outside of me, from my environment. That's when they're a problem. The way forward is to realise other people are separate from me. Other people are separate. They're not someone to project my disappointment in life onto or allow them to do the same onto me. However, without recognising I have a choice, I will unconsciously act toward people as though they are causing my problems. That, that my feelings are being caused by them rather than the malnourished, traumatised child inside of me who was starved of significant security or making some progress growing up. Yep. So let's pray. Father, we are your church. We are your bride. Yes. We are your representatives on this earth. And you've called us to live lives that speak to those who do not yet know you. Lives that emanate. Lord, a beautiful fragrance. And knowing you've purposed to live inside of man, inside our clay pot, our skin bag, our overcoat, our shell. And you've resourced us with everything we need on the inside of us as treasure 
to showcase to a dying world, Lord. Please, Lord, help us as your people, exiles, ambassadors, who are resourced from heaven to earth to live from the sweet spot of this freedom, to be empowered by knowing that nobody, 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 nobody makes me feel anything, anything, anything without my permission. As it is for freedom, my friends, that we have been set free to live from the inside out. And we ask this in Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Be blessed.